every hen has a certain voice like, you know, I mean, it's so neat. There's little things that they say to each other, and they pick up on it. But it's so similar to the way we talk, too. As me and you were talking here, I'm emphasizing certain things. Turkeys do exactly the same thing in the woods. Well, most hunters, when they get out there, they do the same call over and over and over again. And what really intrigues me about turkeys, and I said I've got twenty five to 3,000 different hens, Every one of those hens were recorded with either a phone or a microphone or even a subpar microphone, but every single one of them sounds like a real hen. They're unmistakable. And every, once you're with turkeys long enough, if you spend enough time with them and listening closely to them and studying them, every turkey, they have a unique way of expressing themselves that's so different. Than Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in. Hornady Ammunition presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. And his friends are here today. Out the Red Bull, Mike Grace, Wayne Locke. He is joining me via telephone. And we got a very special guest with me coming up a little bit later on on the program. Wayne, how you doing today? I'm doing not too bad. I'm just trying to stay dry, which is near impossible today. But <laughs> I did uh, take advantage of the break and got out and took care of the animals real quick and uh, took care of a couple things in the garden, but um, I'm doing much better than my wife. <laughs> yeah. As you know, she uh, she broke her arm Friday night, and so she's in a lot of pain. And with two toddlers, I don't understand why they can't jump on mommy. Uh, it's been a, a little bit of a ruckus the last three days. Yeah, that's kind of the worst part, isn't it? I remember one time my wife had uh, carpal tunnel surgery, and she had one wrist done, and then about two weeks later, she went and had the other one done. And uh, our youngest son was real young, and he, he just couldn't understand why mom couldn't hold him or pick him up or do any of that stuff. That's hard on the kids. Well, yeah, and especially because, like, with our, our youngest one, uh, Dylan, the two-year-old, he loves to just sit on, you know, mom in the evening, watches, you know, half-hour cartoons we let him watch before bedtime, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't understand. He thinks, like, mom doesn't want him to sit on him, and so, you know, he doesn't understand, but he'll get over it. I mean, it's just uh, probably another week or so, and they'll, she'll, they'll be able to call back on her and, uh, as long as they're not roughhousing. <laughs> yeah. And again, of course, Which, we're, we're two year old and four year old. That's almost impossible, too. Uh, that is almost impossible. All right. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, and uh, our guest today is going to be Denny Golfus. And Denny is a filmographer, I guess is what you would call him. And he is obsessed with the language of turkeys. And uh, that's what he shoots. Matter of fact, uh, I, I talked to him earlier today, and he'd just gotten in from the woods. He had been out filming turkeys this morning. And uh, he films and listens and studies the language. So we're going to have a very interesting talk with Denny coming up a little bit later on this morning. And I say all that to say this. Wayne, have you been hearing any turkeys or have you been seeing any turkeys? Nope. I still the same report this week as last week. And that is there is nothing going on at my, at my property or talking to the few uh, neighbors around here. They're not seeing anything either. I've got all my wise-eye cameras I've got around the property. Of course, I moved my deer locations over to try and start scouting and get, uh, you know, helping me find where these turkeys mm-hmm. are now. And not one picture. Now we're going on two and a half weeks. Not one picture of a turkey. Wow. Well, I know. Not good. Yeah, not good. Doesn't sound good in your area. No, I, I did see some turkeys uh, probably two days ago. Uh, again, this is Wednesday recording. Yeah, it was Monday on my way home from work, middle of the afternoon. I did see some turkeys out in the field, and I was like, oh, finally. And then last night, just before dark, uh, I was heading home. My wife and I had gone out for dinner, and I was headed home, and I looked up on a ridge, and I saw a turkey roosted in the tallest tree on that ridge there close to the road. So beginning to see a turkey here and a turkey there. So 
don't know if that's good news, well, that's bad good news, news, but but there are some there are some turkeys beginning to show themselves, and uh, I think that what everybody that's just what everybody hopes for. We wait for the turkeys to begin showing themselves because that means that they're starting to get ready. Yeah, uh, that that's so true, and I, I'm hoping for the same thing on my property. I've been getting, like I said, no pictures of turkeys, but I've got got quite a few pictures of coyotes in my back end of my property, which is not good. And Eddie Owens is actually supposed to come out this weekend and see if he can uh, help me with my uh, my problem there, and see if that maybe I'll help get the turkeys back over, you know, migrating more onto my property. Yeah, I got to tell you a story, Wayne. I got a, I got a message the other morning on my Facebook at uh, oh, it was about six o'clock in the morning. I just gone on the air. And uh, oh, it might have been a little bit later than six because it was after the time change and it was almost daylight, so probably closer to seven. And uh, a friend of mine, and he sent me a message and it said, nothing like getting woke up in the morning by the the screech of a big cat. Ooh. And I was like, are you kidding me? He said, no. He said, my wife heard it first. He said, I didn't hear it the first time, but the second time it woke me up. And so he heard it twice, and then it wasn't probably five minutes after that. I saw somebody else post on Facebook the very same thing. Scary when you get woke up to the sound of a big cat in your backyard. So I, yeah, I, I was say you imagine how close that had to be for him to wake get woke up by it. Oh my goodness! Well, and then I, you know, I, I've asked, you know, does this person live close to you? And he's like, yeah, just a couple of farms over. Uh, and this farm is actually the one where I turkey hunt. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I keep your eyes open. Don't be falling asleep there. <laughs> well, I told Miss Nina, I said, you know, I might have to find a different place because I don't know if I want to go tramping around before daylight uh, in, in the woods knowing right. that there is a big cat running around in those woods. And chances are well, is that he will move on because, you know, MDC keeps telling us they're really about the only cats we have. And no people are going to yell at me for saying this, but MDC officially says that most of the big cats we see or hear in our part of the country are migrating. They're young males who have been run out of a territory and they're just looking for their own territory. So if you see one, chances are they're just passing through. Well, that's, that's good because I sure wouldn't want one living on my part. Although it would be kind of cool, I guess, in one sense, but um, I know that like not a cat, but like the similar problem we have over here, like with those bear pictures yeah. that Alex was getting all last fall and that, you know, it kind of makes me think, uh, well, I better not fall asleep next to a tree either, or <laughs> I better not be bringing no honey graham crackers with me in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, nothing that smells like honey. Uh, but um, Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think it's that time of the year when, when the big cats, I mean, just like all the other creatures, all the mammals anyway, they're all looking for mates right now. And I think we touched on last week why we were seeing so many skunks right now is because the skunks are looking for mates. And uh, the same way, I guess, with the big cats and uh, yeah. the coyotes. Yeah, that's actually kind of funny because uh, you were talking about the skunks last week, and I, I don't know if it's because we talked about it and now it's in my brain, but it's like I'm picking up every skunk that I probably would normally not even pay attention to on the side of the road. Now I'm like, there's a skunk, there's a skunk, there's a skunk. We talked about it, or there's just that many being killed because of the mating season. Yeah. Well, they don't pay much attention. And here's an interesting thing I learned just the other day. Somebody posted something about don't kill skunks. And I know everybody does it. You get a skunk in your yard, what are you going to do? You're probably going to shoot it. You don't want that thing hanging around spraying your dogs, possibly spraying your kids or whatever. Uh, but uh, somebody said, don't kill skunks because they will only spray if they have to. And says, if they see you, chances are they're going to run away. And when a skunk sprays, it dehydrates them. So they don't like to spray. So they're not going to unless it's just a last resort and they feel threatened. 
But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I see skunks. Yeah, for me, I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't be killing them because of the uh, the spray issue. Like, I'm not too worried about that, even though I don't want none of my dogs to get sprayed. But I sure don't want my chicken eggs and turkey eggs to get eaten. And uh, they are devastating on uh, the wild turkey population. Uh, yes, they are. Uh, yeah, just like the just like the coons and and all the other critters out there. All right, yep. so Wayne, I know you've got to go and, and take care of the wife and uh, tell her that we're all praying for her and hope she gets to feeling better soon and uh, gets that break taken care of. Uh, we've got Denny Golvis going to be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Folks, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. And good on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Seed presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bone, Mike Crace. Wayne Locke was with us earlier in the program. Wayne, of course, had to go tend to his wife, who, as we talked about in the opening segment, has uh, broken her arm and uh, is needing a lot of help right now. So you might say a little prayer for Wayne and his wife as uh, we go along here in the next couple of weeks. But we are joined by our guests for today. By the way, Alex also is still unavailable. He is, uh, uh, last I heard, was in California uh, doing some work out there. So Alex hopefully will be back with us again next week. But our guest today is Denny Golvis. And uh, Denny, welcome to the American Roots Outdoors radio show. Thank you, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I really, uh, really appreciate the invitation to uh, to give you some of my ideas and findings on the wild turkey. All right. And uh, so uh, let's start right there, because, uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier today, and we're recording this on Wednesday, by the way, folks. I was talking to Denny earlier, and uh, he said, keep in mind, he said, I am fascinated by turkey talk and the uh, the language of the turkeys and how to talk to those turkeys. So uh, first off, Denny, I'd like to kind of get a little background information on you, uh, where you're from, where you grew up, uh, those kind of things. Sure, Mike. I'm from Dubois, Pennsylvania. That's a small town, probably around 7,000 population, uh, about 90 miles north of Pittsburgh in the northwestern mountains areas. It's a nice little town. I grew up there uh, hunting and fishing. My dad took me years ago, started when I first, you know, way before we, in Pennsylvania, I had to be 12 years old at the time. Uh, I remember I, could, mm. I couldn't wait to be 12. When I was six, I couldn't wait to be 12. Every year passed, you know, I used to sit in the window waiting for my dad to come home from hunting, see if he had a buck on the car. Back then, everybody put a buck on the car when they were done. But today, they don't, sure. you know, they kind of look down on that. But yeah, I, my dad was the first one that took, you know, he started me hunting. And, uh, I was obsessed right off the bat. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's a big area for hunting here in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a great state. You know, we've got to, uh, Everything with turkeys and deer. Uh, we've got some of the most uh, really, really abundant game here. I'm very fortunate to uh, to be from this state. You know, as we uh, as we, we we continue here, and, and I think folks that are 
in the outdoor industry know that Pennsylvania is a good state for hunting, especially turkey hunting and deer hunting. But uh, it's one of those things when uh, you sell somebody, well, I think I'm going to go to Pennsylvania turkey hunting. And they go, what? <laughs> because I don't know that the general public really thinks of Pennsylvania as having good hunting property. But it, like you said, it really does. Oh, we have a we have a tremendous, uh, a very good. Well, we actually had a little bit of population a few several years ago. Seems to be in some places a little bit of a decline. But our, you know, Pennsylvania is really a big turkey hunting state right now. You know, a really huge deer hunting state, but a, a big turkey hunting state. We've got we've got some of the most most public land of any state out there wow. to hunt. So that's really really nice. We've got some beautiful mountains. Uh, it's incredible, incredible during the spring. Uh, that's one of the things, you know, I mean, it's it's so interesting. Turkey hunting is, as you know, you know, as everyone who's been out there turkey hunting, there's just something, there's a fascination with turkey hunting, almost like an art in some way. Mm-hmm. Me personally, uh, you know, I that's what I said we were talking about. I've got involved with the turkey's voices. I mean, there's, I still think that that's one of the biggest draws of turkey hunting. It's, it's just the idea of being able to talk to a wild animal. I can remember when I was very young on my first hunt with my father, I mean, I'll never forget it. I was 12 years old. That's that's 54 years, 55 years ago or something like that. Uh, when he took me on my first fall hunt, he called a gobbler in, two gobblers in on his old uh, uh, world champion Lynch box call. You remember those? Oh, yeah. And, uh, I could remember those gobblers coming in. And, you know, I was very green. I didn't have any idea really what turkey hunting was. He tried to school me somewhat, you know, make sure you don't move and everything. And boy, as soon as those turkeys are coming in, I swung the shotgun on them. They took off running. And somehow, I still don't know to this day that I was able to. <laughs> able to take that young golfer and from that point on I was hooked and I was hooked on I really became hooked on the voice of the wild turkey yeah. I mean and because like I said there's nothing like being able to get out there and actually talk to a wild animal I mean there's it's so intriguing to be able to do that yeah I guess it's about the closest thing to actually being Dr. Doolittle as we'll ever know as human beings <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right I saw it time went on as time went on, I kind of like, uh, uh, I had a, you know, it's an interesting story, and I won't carry it too long, but I had a, I had a cousin who raised wild turkeys, and he was really the guru, the turkey guru. His name was Bob Podash, and uh, hmm. I can remember the first time I met him, you know. And back then, it was so different because people back in the 70s uh, and 60s and 70s, most most of the good turkey hunters took took what they knew to the grave, you know. I mean, yeah. it's so different today. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted to share anything. But this guy took me under his wing. He was my cousin. He was related to me. But the biggest draw for me is he raised wild turkeys. I mean, I just, I mean, I took a liking to him right away. I was, I was at that pen every single day. And some of the things we did was so amazing. We used to put microphones in the pen, run them all the way up to his, what he called the turkey room in his garage. We had a boom box. You remember the boom box back then with cassette oh, yeah. players? And we would, we'd put it on play and record and, and uh, let the turkeys, we could hear everything that was going on 50 yards away down in the pen. And whenever any of the turkeys would start talking, we'd just record everything. And it was just fantastic. You know, it's wow. really, really good time. And that's where it really started. And that's what kind of started me into turkey calling contest back in the late, in the mid 70s. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're not the first person I've heard talk about something like this. And of course, I'm, I'm sure that you're familiar with and know Eddie Salter. And we've had, sure, we've, yeah, we've had, we've had Eddie on the show many times and, and Eddie, you know, claimed to this day said, I learned to call turkeys because my mom knew that I was interested in, in turkey hunting and she got some turkeys and put in our yard. And he said, I would just sit on the porch and watch those turkeys and listen to them. And I know that's the story that's repeated time and time again, especially, you know, back in those days you were talking about the sixties and the seventies because you didn't have, Guys teaching you how to, to uh, call turkeys on TV. You couldn't buy videos or uh, DVDs and, and all those things. So you had to get creative. And, 
and I say hats off to you guys that were creative and and became the people you are today because of those kind of out of the box ideas that you had. Well, the best thing about that, I mean, even you know, there's no greater teacher. And I've said this in all the seminars and all the years I've been doing them. You know, I mean, there's no teacher like the wild turkey. Exactly. You know, I mean, when you get the opportunity to sit in the pen with them or sit right next to them, you can hear. You know, I've said this to so many people. You can hear all the little idiosyncrasies in their voices and how they're communicating back and forth. And uh, and really, what's really interesting about that? Usually, the people that raise wild turkeys actually. Uh, start to voice call. And some of the most realistic, no matter what call, you know, today we've got millions, seemingly millions of different turkey by people, everybody and their brothers making turkey calls anymore. Mm-hmm. And one of the most absolutely realistic, and I'll, I'll swear by this, is a person's human voice, somebody who's been around turkeys. And uh, when you use your human voice, there's nothing like it. And give you a good, good example, Alex, Alex himself, you listen to Alex, he's an excellent voice caller. And there's something about the throat, the natural voice of your, you know, your natural voice carries on to like turkeys. And if you raise wild turkeys and, and you could spend a lot of time with them, you just, it just kind of like, just, it just glues to you. And I myself made my own pen. And after I left Bob's there years after that, I started raising turkeys myself. And some of the things I learned, I would have never, ever learned. It would have taken me years in the woods to learn what I learned sure. by sitting right in with the turkeys. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned early uh, Alex and his his natural voice calling. And, and I think he's actually better with his natural voice than he is with the calls. Now, he won't, no he, won't, he, he won't tell you that he is because he, we're in the business of selling turkey calls and all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> uh, But... Uh, Alex and his natural voice. I don't care if it's, it's if you know what turkey call you want to make. I don't care if it's even gobbling. He does better with his natural voice than he's ever going to do with a call. And 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 I just put that out there. All right. Um, I uh, Denny, we've got uh, we got to take a break here. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about uh, your career as a a a a turkey caller and calling in turkey contests. Is that okay? Fine. All right. All right. We'll be back with more with uh, Denny Galvis. On American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. We'll be back right after this. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Water with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Up a big old hill, year after year, got my Wiseye Technology presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Alex now with us today. Wayne is not in the studio. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace, and we are on the phone with uh, Denny Gulvis, uh talking turkey today. And we, and we kind of covered, uh, Denny, and welcome back to the show, by the way. And we uh, we kind of covered, you know, how you got interested in turkeys in our in our segment there. What I'd like to know now is you took that information you were learning from uh, you know raising wild turkeys and being around your cousin who was raising turkeys, and you turned it into a very successful career as a turkey caller. Tell us about how that came about and and where you ended up at, in the turkey calling world. Sure, Mike. I uh, back in the mid seventies, I think it was around sixty seven or seventy six. 77, uh, practicing over at the pen, like I said, uh, I, I can remember entering my bump, you know, he would always scout, you know, coach me, uh, you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet, you're not, you got to do this, so, you know, I'm impatient, young and impatient at the time, and finally one day I got there, he says, okay, he said, go ahead and try it, and we tried it, uh, this is an interesting story, I can remember, never forget it, it was at the Potter County uh, Turkey Calling Contest, Ben Lee was there, all the biggest names, and I was nervous, really nervous, I'll never forget that contest, getting up there, and my wife was there. Bob was there, and hit some of his friends. Hank the door, and uh, I'll never forget going up on the stage. And I went through my routine, did everything, and and we had what we called a gruff call, rough call. Everybody calls a raspy call, and that's one of the things I worked on. It was a little bit different than anybody else was doing at that time. 
And that's because we, you know, we listened to the turkeys close to them, and we heard that, that raspy voice, mm-hmm. that rough, rough, Bob called it the rough call, and uh, it's kind of throaty call. So I can remember going through my Yelps and my routine, and, and I was nervously walked down off that stage, and I sat down next to my wife. Remember, now, this is the first contest I was ever at. I never even attended one before. Right. And I looked at my wife, and I said, how does it sound, you think? And, you know, my wife didn't know turkeys too much, and she just <laughs> looked at me, and she said, that guy sitting next to me said, you sound like a duck. <laughs> I thought, I almost passed out. I thought, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? And I looked over at Bob, who was sitting there, and he just gave me a little wink. And I knew that I must have hit it right. Well, guess what? I ended up winning that contest. Isn't oh, that wow. fantastic? And that was the start. And then from then on, I went and uh, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to win the U.S. Open about four times, the Grand Nationals, and, uh, three-time Masters. And all through the late 70s and uh, into the early 80s, I was traveling across country doing the calling contest. And I loved it. I mean, we really enjoyed it. And then I started to get into filming turkeys, and that was my biggest thing. And I had to do one or the other. I couldn't do both. So I got mm-hmm. out of the calling contest and started filming turkeys. And that's an interesting story on its own. Uh, up until then, I used to hunt with a shotgun just like everybody else. But I, you know, in Pennsylvania, we could only shoot one gobbler at a time, one gobbler for the year. And uh, I can remember, it just wasn't enough for me. I had to spend more time. I wanted to be out in the woods. And, and I was taking still photography at the time. And I told my wife, I said, I'd love to be able to film him. So we, at the time, we didn't. We had a small, you know, it was a start in our family. We didn't have much money. And I went out and bought the best video camera that I could buy back in Ikea. You can imagine the quality wasn't that great. Sure. I started filming. And, Mike, it was tough, I mean, completely. Because, you know, before, when I called a gobber and everything, you know, at 35 so yards, you'd shoot them. But when yeah. you're filming turkeys, you want to get them to 10, 15 yards for good footage. And mm-hmm. I was having trouble. I mean, I just couldn't get them in that close. I didn't know what to do, you know, and how to do it. Very frustrated. And I come home one day after trying to get a gobber in and a couple gobbers, and I told my wife, and this is, I told this story a hundred times. I said, I told my wife, if I would just, be able to tell those turkeys I'll never hurt them again if they just let me take their picture. And she just looked at me and rolled her eyes and said, you are losing your mind. <laughs> and Mike, honest to gosh, listen to this. In the next three months, it was almost like somebody turned a switch. In the next three months, it was almost like the turkeys heard me. I mean, they started coming in. Really? I had like 10 yards, 10 feet, 8 feet. I mean, I was filming. Actually, it was uh, the footage that I was getting in those next two months there was the footage that went on my first spring gobbler hunting video back in 1985. Wow. And ever since that day in 1984, I never went back on my promise to the turkeys. I haven't shot a turkey with a shotgun since 1984. And all I do now, I do it all year round. I film them all year round every single day. And it's, to me, it's, it's such a learning tool. I've been able to learn so much more behind the camera's lens. It's exactly like hunting. I have nothing against shooting with a shotgun. My boys, sure. my wife, and everyone still shoots them shotgun or you know even with a bow but uh for me i just love it's it's catch and release you know i mean it's yeah. so nice because you can call the gobbers in film them do whatever you do and then let them go and then i'll meet them again sometime it's you know how many times i'm sure your experienced hunters out there know this how many times you've been battled with an old monarch gobbler you've had trouble with and actually finally whenever you finally get to get him when, when you get up to him and you say boy if you could just breathe life back into him again because it was such a great experience yeah well guess what i can do that with a camera that's what's so nice about filming you know, I've been saying for years, and, and, and I've been fortunate to, to kill some really nice bucks. And I'm going to say the Southern Missouri bucks, all right? So some really nice Southern Missouri bucks over the years. And now, to me, it's more of getting that deer within range. I really don't care if I shoot him or not. Uh, it, it's kind of a contest, kind of like you're talking. It's kind of a contest to see how close I can get to that buck deer. Uh, and, you know, if I go ahead and finish the deal, finish the deer, uh, if not, I don't care uh, because the, the challenge is getting him within because I like to, and I don't bow hunt anymore, but I still gun hunt the way I bow hunted. So if I can get that buck within 10 or 15 yards, 
the hunt is a success. Whether or not I go ahead and shoot that deer or not, the hunt is a success because I've taken, I've taken the information and, and what I've learned over my lifetime hunting, and I've applied it, and I have beaten that deer. And there's nothing that makes you feel good like beating a wild animal at their own game. At close range. I think it's a maturing more than yeah. anything, Mike. I think it's a maturing. It's a process. Some people never really get to that certain point, but, you know, it's a maturing. And, you know, and speaking of what you're just saying now, my son just this past year, we're, we're, we're traditional archers. Mm-hmm. And my son this year, he took one of the biggest bucks that were ever taken in Pennsylvania at 18 yards Wow! with uh, with his recurve bow. I mean, it's actually, if you want to see it, it's on right now. It's on, on the Whitetail magazine on the front cover right now. It's, uh, no it's out there. He just wrote the full story. And it was an incredible, unbelievable, it's almost like a fairy tale story. Unbelievable. And he shot at 18 yards, bucks that you could go five lifetimes and never see in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It scored a, one, a little over 190, which is really incredible. That is incredible. But, uh, like you said, it's a maturing, and there's just something about being able to be close to an animal. And then you know that, you know, you could, back when I first made my first video, I actually ended the video, and I said, a master turkey hunter's day is the guy that can call a daughter in get him within close range, and then just let him walk off. You know that all of this matter just putting pressure on the trigger, and you know the game would have been over. But if you can let him walk off, you're a master turkey. Yeah, there That's you what go. it's all about. I mean. Yeah, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. And, and Denny, uh, uh, you know, turkey hunting and, and the videography and, and those kind of things. Now, uh, when you're videoing, I mean, are you <clears throat> are you videoing the same turkeys? Or are you traveling around shooting different turkeys? I've got a lot of different places, a lot of different counties I go to. My biggest specialty right now, and it's been going on for 21 years now, Mike, mm-hmm. my biggest thing is filming the turkeys on a roost because, see, I'm obsessed with the turkey's language, the hen, the hen's right. voices. I'm obsessed with hens. I've filmed gobbers for years, and I mean, I've got, I still film gobbers, and I love, you know, I like to call gobbers in and film gobbers, but my biggest thing is, is to get a talking hen. I'll give you an example. I just come back here just an hour ago, and I had one of the best mornings. I've been filming turkeys for 37 years, and I had a segment this morning that was just absolutely incredible. I mean, I had turkeys land right in front, talked very nice on the roost, landed right in front of me. I had five or six gobblers fighting at 15 yards away from me. I had hens strutting. I had hens fighting. I had two mating segments within 20 yards of me, and hens gobblers. I mean, it was just one of those things where everything was coming together. Wow. But my, the biggest thing that I'm doing now, that I've been doing this, this will be the 21st year, I try to sneak under the roost early in the morning in the dark, which is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Get under the roost. I set up my, my uh, $500 microphones. I got one on the left stereo, one on the right, and then I just let them wake up and get those sounds because those sounds right there in my are some of the most important sounds that a turkey hunter can learn because what I call I call it the social language. Because when you get on a YouTube video or you're out there hunting and you call a hen in, usually in a situation like that, that hen is somewhat stressed. She might be aggravated that right. a hen's in her area, a strange hen's in her area. She might be looking for company or things like that. But when you get these natural situations early in the morning when they first wake up, you've got the hen up to your left and she's talking to the hen over to your right, or she's talking to the grubber across the hill, and they're all just waking up talking to each other. It's just like you and I in a, in a group, a social group. And that social talk is what turkeys hear every day, and it's some of the most important stuff that a hunter could learn. But it's very difficult because you could go on YouTube right now and it has thousands of videos out there on turkey hunts, but... How many do you hear any, anywhere? How many times do you ever see a real hen talking to another hen or a hen talking to a gobbler? That's very rare. So I learned that a long time ago, and, and some of the best stuff, and really it's been such an advantage on, on actual, when I get out and, you know, calling gobblers in, too, because those gobblers are just used to hearing that social talk that hens do. Right. And uh, it's wow. incredible. Some of the things that I've heard and learned and filmed with 
have been unbelievable. And we want to talk more about that. I know we've got to go to another break here. And, uh, folks, we're take, uh, talking with uh, Denny Golvis, and we're going to continue. And I'd like to uh, uh, talk more about that and, and the fact that you are hearing that social talk. That's very interesting. We'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Brad Harris. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Passed on down, planted deep in the ground around your heart. So you never. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you needed an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Prevet Law Office, Willow Spring, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Brevet at the Brevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Back on the American Roots Outdoors Radio Show with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm Red Bull Mike Crace, and uh, we've got uh, Denny Golfus on the phone line uh, talking turkey talk today and the turkey language. And and when we left off in the last segment, Denny, you were talking about, and I don't know how you do it, getting in under those roosts early in the morning, setting up and recording what you're calling the turkey's social talk. First of all, how in the world do you get in right under those roosts? without those turkeys getting spooked off the roofs? Because that seems to be an issue that I always have. That's an excellent question, Mike. I mean, it's difficult. It very it is. You have to leave here at the house. I leave the house at 3 o'clock. I usually like to be there an hour, an hour and a half before they even begin to wake up. And, you know, I... Yeah, I've kind of got a little bit accustomed from doing it so many years that you can actually, I can actually see better at night than what I used to do years ago. I've been accustomed <laughs> okay. to do that. Now, there's sometimes times, like like right now, we're in the dark of the moon period. In the segments I got this morning, it's really difficult. You almost have to have, a, and I have a very special little flashlight that I use, I have a way of putting it in my hands. And, but when you start getting close to where the roofs are, where, the, where I start to see those blobs in the tree, then that's really, because one stick, if I step on one stick, I interrupt the whole thing, and turkeys really don't sleep as tight as you think they might. As you think they might, mm-hmm. uh, especially gobblers. I mean, I've heard gobblers at three o'clock in the morning; they're strutting on a limb. Actually, this morning, when I got in there early this morning, I had almost two hours to go before even first light. And there were gobblers; I could hear them in my microphone. I mean, to my earphones that I was listening. The gobblers were strutting on my. I had a gobbler to my left and over to my right, only about twenty-five yards away from me, and they were strutting on a limb. It was pitch black, and it was two really? hours before they were going to fly down. But. Getting back to that social talk, I've learned so much from that social talk. Uh, yeah. The way the birds express themselves back and forth, that's huge because, you know, a hunter, as we as hunters, you know, we go out there and most of the guys out there, you know, they usually kind of, you can tell a guy almost every single time. And that's that's one of the most incredible, that's one of the things I'm, that makes me so intrigued about turkey language. On my system here, I've got a really good computer system. I probably got between twenty five hundred and three thousand different hands on my uh, on my computer system and files. Wow! And I listen to them every single day of the year, all the time, back and forth, because you can learn so much from them. But what I was getting at, every hen has a certain voice, like you know, I mean, it's so neat. There's little things that they say to each other, and they pick up on it. But it's so similar to the way we talk too. As me and you were talking here, I'm emphasizing certain things. Turkeys do exactly the same thing in the woods. Well, most hunters, when they get out there, they do the same call over and over and over again. And what really intrigues me about turkeys, and I said I've got twenty-five to 3,000 different hens, 
Every one of those hens were recorded with either a phone or a microphone or even a subpar microphone, but every single one of them sounds like a real hen. They're unmistakable. And every, once you're with turkeys long enough, if you spend enough time with them and listening closely to them and studying them, every turkey, they have a unique way of expressing themselves that's so different than the human. I mean, and what, what's amazing is I, you can listen to 3,000 of those different hens and always tell that they're a hen. But I can go back, like, I've had the opportunity to judge turkey calling contests throughout the country. And I have yet, in almost all my years, have heard one guy that I would mistake in the woods for a turkey. Isn't that absolutely incredible? That is, incredible. that is. That's how different a turkey's voice is than a human being, no matter how, even some of the, look at the devices we have today. Yeah. But it all basically falls back on the one thing. We get kind of like in the same kind of rhythm all the time, where turkeys are sporadic. I mean, they're talking just like me and you. They're expressing themselves, and we kind of forget to do that when we're calling. Uh, you know, when we go out in the woods to call, usually you'll hear a guy, he'll stand there waiting, he's looking, all of a sudden he'll give a call. And we, we call to make an, a turkey answer, but that's not really how turkeys talk. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll call to get a turkey to answer us, but what turkeys do when a hen calls to a gobber, she doesn't call to him to expect a gobble from him. She's calling to him because she's talking to him. She's saying something to him. And if we can learn to do that, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as that. You know, a lot of times you hear a gobbler out there and you can't get really hurry up and get in your setup spot and you can't wait to get a call going to him. Yeah. But it pays to just first think, what would a real hen do right now? How would she express herself? And some of these old gobbers out there today, they know. I mean, and the guy does the same thing over and over again. We just like to hear that gobbler gobble. Well, that's not what a hen does. A real hen is actually getting in a little conversation with that with that gobbler. So that's really an important thing that I've learned. One of the many important things I've learned from the wild turkeys. I guess the, the, the I guess the only way to learn that, uh, Denny, is is to actually get out in the woods and listen for it. Listen for it, and you know, like I said, YouTube has a lot of things now. You know, there are there are videos out there with a lot of hens, but whenever there's a hen talking, pay close attention to them. Listen to the way she's talking. Listen to the way she expresses herself. Uh, as I said, it's so similar to our voice. Like a hen will come through the woods and she's looking for another bird. When she does a three to four note, look what I call a searching yelp or a looking yelp. It doesn't have a whole lot of volume to it. But if you listen real closely, there's a question mark in her voice. There's a question. She's questioning. Where are you? Hmm. Where are you? That kind of thing. Now, if she went through the woods almost robotically going, where are you? That means nothing. But where are you? You see the big difference there. The same way we talk. And turkeys, if you listen, once you really listen closely to them, you start to pick up those little idiosyncrasies in their voices, the way they express themselves through pitches and tone changes. And that's, it's so interesting, but I've been doing it for so many years now, and it's so neat to be able to hear that stuff, you know what I mean, and, and try to recognize. And the other thing, which is really neat, is I found out over the years the turkeys, each other, they know each other's voices in the woods. Every turkey within an area knows each other's voices, and that is so cool. I'm absolutely sure that gobblers know each other in the woods. Every mm. gobbler knows each other, and gobblers, after, if they're with a hen, too, after a little while, they begin to know the certain uh, sounds of the hen's voices. They pick up, you know, sure. a gobbler in the springtime who spends a day or two with a hen, he knows her voice. And if I can go out there, and I'll go to these places, and I'm these roosts and, thing, and you listen to some of these hens year after year, and I'll, I'll hear this hen, and I'll recognize her, and I'll recognize this hen. Well, if I can do that, just think how quickly a turkey can do that. Yeah, no, I, like us, same thing as us. We yeah, know each other's voices too. Yeah, and I, I wonder. With that being said, because this raises questions, I wonder if that gobbler knows that hen, recognizes that voice. Does he understand she's already been bred? I'm not going to her. Do you think that's an issue? No, I don't. That's a good question here, but I don't think that they, that she would that he would know that uh, because a hen, even though a hen only has to breed with a gobbler one time, and he holds mm-hmm. her. 
you know, the whole time. That's all you really ask to. But the hen will, will, will definitely breed with a with a gobbler a couple of times. So that doesn't really matter. You know, okay. they don't just have to do it one time. So, uh, but the big thing is the way that expression is. You know, I mean, and they know their each one of their voices. So what does that tell you, a hunter, right there? That tells you the importance of being able to make different sounds with your calls, practice with different calls, highs, lows, raspy, throaty, anything. You know, that way you just might hit the right time. You have a gobbler hung up out there, and if you just be able to change your call, you maybe you'll get him to a point where he, oh, there she is, there she is, I recognize her, and boom, that's all it takes. I've had gotcha. gobblers completely turn right around and come running when I just change, by just changing the call. Or the, you know, this, this, just a little bit of expression and a little bit of change yeah. of the sound of the call. Do you think... Because he, he, it's a hen that he knew. Yeah. Do you think it matters? Do do they hear? Uh, do they hear that and go? Oh, there's a new hen. I better go meet her. Do you it's think possibly that? that way too? For sure. You know, because yeah. he knows. Like I said, well, you know, and it makes sense too because they're living out there. Through, you know, three hundred sixty-five well, sure. days yeah. a year. Their daughters are in the hens, and they know. You know, they know them all like that. And maybe one that he hasn't heard for a while or something. It intrigues them somewhat. I'm sure that does. For sure, that does. But the big thing for sure, you know. These, you know, and really, I, I keep saying for sure, but everything I'm telling you is an opinion, my opinions and what I've learned, because there is no one thing you'll never hear me ever, ever say that a turkey is going to do this or turkey's going to do that. Because I learned a long time ago that that's a huge mistake because they are absolutely so unpredictable. Any turkey hunter knows that. Yeah. That's what makes them such a great sport. I mean, uh, a quarry to go after because a turkey, I think a turkey don't know what he's going to do in the next five minutes. It's amazing. They're so unpredictable. There, there is no concrete law. Their turkey's going to do this, or turkey's going to do that. You yeah, know, no deal with it as as it comes along. Yeah, no two turkey hunts are exactly the same. That, that that's absolutely that for sure. Yeah, and that, and I think you're right. That's what makes the sport so intriguing, and. Uh, yeah. Well, Denny, we could go on all day, but uh, sadly enough, we are out of time here on the radio show. But I know you've agreed to uh, generously uh, give us some more time and be on our, our bonus segment on the podcast. So, folks, I'm going to take this time to tell you, if you want to hear more with Denny Galvis talking about turkey talk and turkey language, and we'll get a little bit more into that on the bonus segment. What you need to do is go to your favorite carrier, do a search for American Roots Outdoors, and with Alex Rutledge and friends. And when you get there, of course, what you've just heard here on the radio show will be there as part of the podcast. But you want to for sure listen for the bonus segment on today's show. And uh, we're going to learn some more and kind of pick the brain a little bit more of Denny Golvis. Denny, thank you very much for being with us today. And uh, we will talk to you here in just a moment on the bonus. And folks, thank you for joining us for American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bone Mike Crace. Like we always say, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. We'll see you next week. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Back on American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. And if you're hearing us now, that means you have uh, logged on to the bonus segment of American Roots Outdoors, and we appreciate that. And we will ask you before uh, we get done here, remember to leave, leave us a review when you get done listening to the show. And uh, by leaving that review, that gets you entered into our drawings that we do monthly and sometimes weekly. So leave a review. And in that review, we need you to leave us your real name 
and what town you live in. Uh, you can't go by your username because we've got to have a real name and we've got to have a town so we can find you so we can contact you to send you your prize. So uh, please leave a review here when you're finished with the uh, bonus segment of the podcast. We've got uh, Denny Galvis back with us again. And uh, Denny, fascinating job on the on the radio portion of our, our show uh, because I learned some stuff and, and I think stuff that uh, I think people that are out there listening are going to want to try to apply. And I think they're probably going to be crawling out into the woods prior to this turkey season and trying to uh, just figure out exactly what it was you were talking about and uh, apply that to their arsenal when they get ready to go hunt turkeys. But you've got something here completely different you want to talk about on the bonus segment. Yeah, it's, it's what I like. You know, studying these turkeys' voices, I've learned something. And several years ago, I picked up on something that was really fascinating to me. It's what I call the turkey's vocal reflex. And we all heard, and I'll give you a little bit of example. They have an incredible vocal reflex. And let me explain what I mean by that. We've all been out there and we've heard gobbers. Let's say we get, uh, you know, you have three young gobbers standing next together. And you got an alpha gobber who would be the, you know, the alpha, the, the leader mm-hmm. of the pack, or it, it doesn't matter the number of gobbers out there. And as soon as maybe an, air, uh, an airplane would fly over or a crow would holler, <laughs> when that alpha gobber gobbles, those other ones that are standing next to him gobble so quickly. That vocal reflex is absolutely incredible. I'm sure we all heard it. So that when that first gobber gobbles, the other ones will gobble so quickly that it almost sounds like one gobber gobbling, and usually sure. four gobbers gobbling. And if you actually, and I used to say this to my seminars many times, I said, if we actually tried to do that, if I lined up four guys and say, I'm going to gobble sometime and I want you to follow me, it would be like gobble, 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 gobble. That's how slow our reflexes is compared to the gobblers. Yeah. And so, you know, studying that, I also found out that a hen also has an incredible vocal, vocal reflex. And that really, really applies to calling, too. And let me give an example. When we go out there, as I touched on this earlier, when we go out there to call turkeys, you know, we kind of like just call to get a turkey to answer us back and something like that. But really, we want to make it into a vocal, you know, an actual communication as much as possible. But I found, really studying these turkeys at close range and really watching them, the turkey actually is listening as it's calling. It's listening as it's calling. A hand when she calls out, right in the middle of her calls, what we're used to doing is we call, then we listen. But a turkey is actually listening while she's calling. I have so many recordings when a hand is calling. So we had two or three hands standing next together. Mm-hmm. And if one hand would start actually calling, and another hand in that group would maybe start cutting, that first hand that was calling will immediately stop calling instantly right away. What if a gobbler close by would gobble? That hand will stop instantly. You watch for it. And any recording out there, listen for it. You'll hear how quickly that these turkeys will stop as soon as they start, when another turkey starts calling. And that vocal reflex is amazing. And hands wow. just like gobblers have that. So what, the, what I started to figure out, how, what could that be? Well, really, it tells me that a hen is actually listening as she's calling. So. If we apply that to our calling, think about that. When the next time you're out there calling, instead of calling, then listening, listen as we call. And you will be unbelievable on how much better your, your cadences will become because you actually it actually puts you into a conversation much more at ease like that. So this vocal reflex is really, really amazing tool to try. And it, it's really something to try while you're practicing. I, and this is another thing, you know, we all practice well especially, you know, experienced hunters are the ones Mm -hmm. who are really into this, practice their calls as much as possible. But I always really try to tell people that, that, you know, when you're practicing your call, actually think about actually saying something. Think about actually talking to another bird, because that's what turkeys do. You know, instead of listening for the sound so much, listen, think about it, because all turkeys have a little bit of a different voice, but think about what it's, think about actually saying something. Are you asking a question? Are you telling something? Are you mad? You know, I mean, every one of these things, as I touched on earlier, 
you know, by our expression in our calls and by able to change the tone a little bit, changing the pitch a little bit. Because just like the way we talk, our pitches change when we're trying to get a certain point across, and turkeys are exactly the same way. Yeah, so that vocal reflex is an incredible tool. And you listen for it next time. You get into a group of turkeys, a smaller group of turkeys. Now, you get into a big group, and there's maybe 30 or 40, then that's a little bit different. But you have three or four birds out there, and a the hen might start yelping, and if a gobbler gobbles right in the middle of her yell, she'll stop instantly. She won't call, and won't be right over top of them. And we can take yeah. that another way. Let's say we get into a situation where a gobbler's hung up out there, and he's out there with hens. And we try to call, you know, you've heard this many, many times, many experienced hunters know this, that they try to call, get that lead hen going in that group. And maybe if you can get that lead hen going, you can have that whole group come to you. That's kind of like the incentive. That's what you sure. want to do. Well, listen, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I got a little bit of point. Here's a little bit of uh, a little bit of a tip. If you actually call right on top of them, if you get a conversation going with the lead hen in a group or one or two hens in a group, and as soon as she starts calling, if you call right on top of her right away, that'll make them mad. Many times that'll get her mad. And that's just a little bit of an inclination right there. Just a little bit of a change sometimes. Just, she just can't take it no more. I'm going to come over there and see who this is. Oh. So that's something you want to remember right there. Ben Lee years ago said that if a gobbler cuts you off, and I learned this from actually from him and listening to these birds, when you're calling to a gobbler and a gobbler cuts your call off, you and when they do that, they tell you right away that they're really interested in, in them. So you can see now in this turkey calling how much... Sure. There's a whole world of it out there. I've been I've been doing for over 50 years now. I've been filming for almost 40, and I'm learning something every. I learned a lot of things just this morning, just three hours ago. I learned <laughs> a lot of things. I've been doing for all these years. That's that's what makes it so intriguing. Yeah, about, nothing like it. You never ever you never stop learning. Yeah, makes it the, the, the great thing of it is the more the longer I'm doing, I'm finding out how much I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what makes it a great sport. And you know, I I was sitting there thinking about times that I've been in the woods and had a gobbler cut me off when I was just you know doing some clucks or whatever recall i was doing and, and you're right uh because usually within about 10 or 15 minutes he shows up yep exactly i mean there's and the other thing is pay attention to everything that's going on here because every experience is you know it, it kind of adds to your bag of tricks because as we said before turkeys are so unpredictable that's one of the biggest things about turkeys they're unpredictable you never yep. know what they're going to do from one day to the next and your bag of tricks, if you pay close attention to little things that happen to you and the things that happen to your buddies, too. When a buddy's telling you a story about what happened to him, listen to what he's telling you. Listen to things that happen to him. And remember those things and use them in your bag of tricks because sooner or later you're going to run into gobblers and all you have to do is reach in that bag of tricks and try, hey, I remember when Frank, he had that trouble with this gobbler and he tried this, so I'm going to try that, too. Or I remember this hen doing this or that, you know what I mean? All that stuff. Every experience, no matter what, you know, if we stop and smell the roses, that's what this is all about. You know, it's a learning every single experience out there. It's not, there's way, way more than the killing of turkey. Sure. You know, it's the experience of going out there and just learning from what goes on and just enjoying the time of the year, which is, is fantastic. In the spring, you can't, everything's coming alive. Yeah. There's nothing like the spring. And, and of course, I'm going to, I'm going to go home now and, and get my calls out. I'm going to practice on trying to make that sound, <laughs> sound like a, a question mark. Cause I think I'm very intrigued by that because that's a turkey. There is asking a question. Hey, are you there? Hey, are you interested? Hey, you want to come it's over so, here? Exactly. It's so similar to our voices. And the other, the other thing is, um, the last point I want to make is to really listen to wild turkeys. Don't listen to other callers. The biggest mistake you could do is listen to another caller because then you get your you get human calling imprinted on your head. What you want is real turkeys imprinted on your head. And if you're really serious about it. Do it every single day because if you go a couple of days, you'll lose the little edge that's there. I sure. gotta listen when I, and give you. I carry a little MP3 player with me. It's no bigger than a matchbook with me. I have 275 different hands on that every single day in the woods when I go in the woods. I'll sit on a log. I'll reach down, 
put it in my ear, put a headphone, put my little earbuds in my ear. I'll play a certain hand. It gets me in tune right away. And that's, I mean, it's a big thing. I mean, because we lose that. We lose that from day to day. Gotcha. You really want to get on top of turkey calling. you got to listen to the birds and listen closely to the way they talk. And you can learn so much from the birds. There's nothing like it. And if nothing, if nothing else, uh, if, if you can't do that, then uh, get you a couple of uh, wild turkeys, even some tame turkeys, and put them in the pens with your chickens. Go out that's, and listen to them. Every actually, day. that'd be the best. You can get within <laughs> a couple feet of them. And they're the best teachers for sure. Uh, Denny, we want to say thank you for being with us today. You've been fascinating. And I think uh, anybody listening, if you didn't learn something today, folks, you're beyond learning uh, because uh, this has been stuff that I've never heard before. And, uh, We've, been, we've done a lot of these shows with some of the best turkey hunters and turkey callers in the uh, in the country. So, Denny uh, Golvis, thank you very much, and uh, maybe we can do this again real soon. I would really like to do that. It's been a pleasure to share my ideas and, and talking with you, Mike. Uh, and I, I wish everyone a happy and a, a really uh, safe uh, hunting season coming up in the next few months. Thank you very Enjoy much. Enjoy yourself out there. There's nothing like it. All right. Thank you very much. That's Denny Golvis. I'm the Red Bull Mike, Mike Trace for Alex Rutledge and Wayne Locke. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's Bonus segment on the American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends.